What up, what up, what is going on, guys? Welcome to the Party Global Podcast. It's your boy, it's your motherfucking host, Alex Denunzio. And today, I have with us a very special guest. It's fucking Armani. He's one of the top DJs out in New York City. Right now, he's transitioning into a top producer. So here we are. What's good with it, Armani? What's up, what's up? Chilling, man. much, brother. Another much. It's been a long time since we talked, uh, you know, hung out or whatever. I remember the first time we met was back in new york i was definitely fucking underage going to that fucking club uh greg yeah, switz brought, brought me up there that. it was um oh, attic attic yeah bro that was it attic that was no, a fun boating. night dude but um dude i have a crazy story about that night actually real quick dude some fucking chick there i was probably 19 right so i didn't really know the ways of the clubs i didn't really know how to work it with girls or whatever but funny fucking story I ran up a $200 tab on this one fat bitch there. Like, no joke, bro. She kept telling me to buy her drinks, and I kept taking her to that bar on the, like, rooftop. I kept taking her and fucking buying her drinks all night. And I remember, dude, I was throwing up all night. I, uh, the next morning, I look at my fucking credit card, $200 tab on her. That's freaking nuts. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But anyway, enough about me, enough about my dumb fucking stories. What are you up to during this uh, quarantine shit, bro? Yeah, you're uh, working on anything or what's up? Yeah, so um, this past, when did we start quarantine, quarantining or whatever? I don't even know how you say it officially, but whenever we started the stay at home thing, I'm, I'm in Jersey, so the stay at home order here is pretty strict because <clears throat> we're basically, I'm about half an hour outside of New York, so it's a, considered a hotspot. Um, yeah, I've been working on music a lot. I produce almost every day in some type of capacity. Either I'm working on a track, either I'm organizing music. Uh, I actually released a record not too long ago, um, last Friday. It was a a, um, a remix of the Weekends track called "Too Late" off of his most recent album, After Hours. Um, it's out on SoundCloud now. Um, I'll send the bio to you or send you the link and all that stuff. Yeah, we'll talk sure. about it more. But uh, I, that was a big remix. I, it took me about a month to make that. I was in the studio every day just working on that. Uh, I have a new mix coming out this Friday, Vacations Radio episode 10. And I've been killing it with the live streams. I have my own live stream as well as for venues that I DJ at usually. I'll be a uh, live stream for those venues. And uh, I actually did a big live stream yesterday for this page called Travel with the DJ. It is a uh, it's a page ran by DJ Beatbreaker, who's a pretty big open format DJ, and um, it's about it, man. In in detail, that's what I've been doing. Nice, man. Like I really respect your fucking hustle because I I've been following you on social media for a while, and I just see you fucking pushing out content, and I see you're doing fucking lives like crazy, brother. Do you think that that could be like a thing now? Uh, for now it can be. Um, and it has been. Uh, for example. There's a uh, there's like the Affected Virtual Festival, which is a uh, record label for house music, and they have a big one. Beatport has a big one. Um, I think in the electronic music space, it's huge. Right. Um, open format as well, but really with like the big DJs, such as like uh, DJ Camillo has had one. DJ Spade, who's Drake's DJ, had one with thousands of viewers. D-Nice is the, I would say, the undefeated king of the live stream right now. He has this thing called Club Quarantine. And uh, he has people from the Obamas checking in to Ooh. actors to Naomi Campbell. Like, everyone is checking into his live stream. So right now it's a thing. But do I think it's something that will go on for the future when everything goes back to normal in about a year or so? 
Um, maybe, maybe not. It's something that they just play by ear. Yeah, I'm glad that you actually brought that up. How do you see like the nightlife industry actually changing because we're all dealing with this fucking coronavirus right now, and especially in the nightlife industry, you can't fucking go party right now. Yeah, you can't. You can't do anything. Um, <laughs> I, have, I can't DJ. I've been asking my friends. I've been asking my friend people that book me. When are we going back to normal? What do you think? And uh, the insight around here is really just different answers. Some somebody said August. Somebody said September after Labor Day. People are saying 2021. So it's kind of all over the chart. Um, re- realistically, I think 2021 um, next year. Honestly, maybe like when it when it um gets a little warmer again yeah for sure the reason i think that is because based on the media um they're saying there's like a second wave coming possibly in the fall but like i said it's something we have to play by ear but as of right now they're saying that nightclubs bars are going to be the last thing to open and you also have to think about the economy everyone's unemployed right now and the nightlife is based off of a it's kind of a luxury it's not so people like to go out to splurge and spend money when everyone's unemployed and stuff, there's not much money going around to be spent on luxury items or luxury things such as a nightclub. I'm actually glad you brought that up because, yeah, things are not going to go back to normal anytime soon. And I'm a firm believer that this could go on for a fucking while, man. But whenever this does end, I'm telling you right now, that first night when that nightclub opens, it's going to be a fucking fuck yeah, fest on the dance floor. It's, it's going to be crazy, bro. <laughs> it's going to be a little crazy. Um, I think everywhere, when stuff goes back to normal, um, if it goes back to normal right away, like in the next two, three months, mm-hmm. at least in my area, I think people are still going to be scared to go out. However, if it's done in like months down the line or a year down the line, people are going to be so anxious to go out that the restaurants are going to be packed, the lounges, the bars. Anywhere where you can buy alcohol on, yeah. uh, on premise, technically, that's like what the term is in the um, the industry, like um, liquor industry, is like on pre- anything on premise, such as a bar, restaurant, lounge, uh, wine bar, they're all gonna be packed, packed out the packed out the ass. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm fucking fiending. I have not had a sip of alcohol since this quarantine happened. Uh, obviously, I haven't gone out and partied. And me being single, it's not like I'm fucking hooking up with chicks at the bar. So, you know, it's tough for me. I've been drinking a little too much this quarantine. I'm not going to lie to you. Huh? <laughs> drinking more. I probably drink oh, really? more this quarantine. But in moderation, obviously, like weeks, and, you know, throughout the week and stuff. But um, I, I don't really drink when I go out like that. But being that I'm home, I'm like, oh, I'm not going anywhere. I'll have a couple of drinks. And yeah. then I, Yo, you know, you get caught. How is that? I'm I'm actually super glad you brought that up. How is that like being in the nightlife scene? Are there a lot of like artists and DJs that are like fucking alcoholics, like abusing oh, drugs? Yes. Like is that a big thing? Yeah, it's a huge thing. I mean, there's there's DJs who who can't control their alcohol, who sometimes are too messed up to DJ, or you know they get banned for a while, like a temporary ban. You know, there's big DJs in New York that have gotten into situations or not big DJs in New York, but any DJ in general, even myself. I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm a saint. Um, we've all gotten into situations where you got to think about it. Every time you walk into the club, the person that books you, hey, want a drink? Um, you know, the, the bottle girl comes up or, you know, any cocktail waitress, would you like something to drink? And the alcohol is free usually for the most part, unless they limit you on drink tickets, which even then they give you about five or six of those. And <laughs> five or six drinks can have you pretty, you know, pretty decent and kind of impair you to do your job. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. Dude, um, what's your favorite music to play and work on? 
Uh, I really like house music right now. That's where I'm pushing my brand towards is house. Um, I've done open format. When I say open format, for those that don't know, I mean everything. So when you go to a club, you want to hear Drake, you want to hear a little bit of house, you want to hear a little bit of reggae, right. reggaeton, everything. So mm-hmm. I that's how I've been DJing for the past, I don't know, I started when I was 11, I'm 23, so 12 years. Jesus. And uh, I've played... I've played like that for the most of my career. I really started making this house transition about two years ago, slowly, but now I'm pretty much full on house. I still do the open format thing. Um, It's still part of my brand. I still DJ at nightclubs and things like that and play open format. I still have my relationship, so I do it. However, I'm pushing towards the house side as artist and DJ. Why did you choose house music? Because I do think house music is pretty interesting. And from my knowledge, like I'm not in the DJ life or, you know, I'm not in the nightlife industry, but from my knowledge, in Europe, house music is fucking extremely big. So why'd you end up getting into house? Well, honestly, here in Jersey, it's uh, it's back in the days, if you look at the history of house, uh, house music was pretty big in Jersey back in the days, especially like Newark, um, urban areas. And my mother actually listened to a lot of house and freestyle growing up when I was a kid. So I learned, I had already known about house, like old school house, like there's a track called Percolator, which is big, like Move Your Body, Marshall Jefferson. Um, it's another big one, like I'll House You, there's Crystal Water. So anyways, all of these tracks were big back in the day. My mom always listened to them on CDs growing up as a kid. And uh, I really got influenced by that. And when I was a kid, I was DJing like 11, 12 years old. I would play a classic house set with, with all those old school house songs. And people that were in their 40s, 50s, like yo this kid knows about that stuff and it was it was a thing and then it transitioned into open format where here in jersey if you go down the shore to like djs you're playing edm you're playing house all high energy all those big places and even in the more urban spots you're playing guaracha you're playing edm and so house is always instilled no matter how you look at it in jersey at least it's always instilled in some type of part of the culture Mm -hmm. that's interesting it's super personal to you um now, are you more interested in playing like house music and these high energy vibe type music like EDM, or would you rather just do what do you call it again? Open format, right? Where you play more like a Drake or um, Lil Uzi or like ever who's fucking hot. Like, which one do you prefer? No, I well, since I'm going towards the house, I prefer the house. It's why mm-hmm. I'm switching. The open format game um, financially has gotten um, very saturated, as at least around here. I personally think that New York, New Jersey, tri-state area probably has the best, um, the best open. I wouldn't say best. New York probably did. Hold on, let me me stop myself there. Um, I wouldn't say the best, but the the best, the the biggest saturation of good DJs is what I'm saying. Like Vegas has great open format DJs as well, and and the West Coast they have a lot of great ones. But here, there's so many DJs that are open format that are good. So I need really. to know. I have to stop you. I need to fucking know. How do you stand out? With the branding, man. It's really about the branding and your relationships. I would say it's 60%, eh, seven, maybe 70% relationships and 30% your branding. However, your that 30% of your branding has to be that full 30%. It has to be A1. It has to be great. Or has to, and if it's not great, it has to be evolving into greatness right. as a brand. How do you yeah. get started? Day one, I'm trying to get into the New York City nightlife scene. How do I build some communications, <laughs> like connections? Uh, I personally, 
I wouldn't recommend somebody going right into the New York nightlife market as an open format DJ right now. Even before this whole quarantine thing started, it was just getting so saturated and everything is about who you know and uh, whose ass you're kissing, unfortunately. But um, I would say start off, make sure your skills are very, very, very well. Um, get ready to eat shit. When I say that, I mean DJ for free. Um, do a lot of stuff that might not even relate to DJing, like photo shoots, like the whole branding side of it. And also promote. We have to bring people. If you're in New York, they want to fill up the club. They want to make the club look full. If you make the club look full with good quality people, it brings the bottle clients and it's just a cycle. The bottle clients buy more bottles. They see more girls. And it's just how it usually works. Um, I'm not saying like just girls in general. Like I mean more like a promoter is there at a table with 10 girls and then about a high-end service guy who maybe works on Wall Street who's an older gentleman might be like oh wow look at that group of girls then the promoter comes to his table with the girls and then they buy a bottle and it's just more like it's a it's a business you know so if yep. you can bring heads to fill the room if you DJ and you say I can bring 30 people then you're bringing that 30 people and if you <laughs> kill it then great if you don't kill it they might keep you around as an opener to, to DJ and bring people, but you're not going to get that headlining set if you don't know um, skill. And when I say skill, I'm not saying, like, be the best scratch DJ right. or the band. I'm saying your song selection, um, your vibe, uh, how to read a room, reading the crowd. Those three things are always essential for mm -hmm. any DJ. How do you do it? Like, how do you read a crowd? Is there a, a certain song that you know that's your go-to song that gets people hype? Is there something you say on the mic, like MCing-wise, that makes everybody dance? Like, how do you get the room fucking hype? Um, there's a couple of different ways, and it's also depending on the uh, the club I'm in. If I'm in, like, a hip-hop club, that go-to song is always uh, it's always changing. It always has to be, like, that hot shit. Like, the box by Roddy Rich was the right. hot one before the quarantine started um there's always like a couple staples like uh the jay-z and kanye uh paris track uh niggas in paris is was mm -hmm. one um what was another one I'm trying to think and any like old school old school tracks that are classics like a biggie sure. track, you know um, after a certain time when everybody's fucked up <laughs> yeah not even yeah when people are fucked up and you play like a biggie track and everyone's yeah. just singing it's like those sing-along tracks always work well um, but like I said, it depends on the room, um, at least for me. Like, I don't have a go-to track that works in every single room. I like to switch it up. I'm not the type of guy to play the same set every time, so that varies. Right. What are some of the coolest nightclubs you performed at, in your opinion? Coolest nightclubs? Like, your um, favorites? My favorites, I'd say, I have I have a couple. So, my favorite one was uh recently was a uh, little sister lounge it's a new spot that opens right across the street from upster hall and uh, i had dj there it was my boy dalton's birthday and i opened up for him and it's like a small intimate room only fits about maybe two three hundred people but it's very being that it's so small it's very exclusive and it's like a it's like that old school nightlife feeling in there it doesn't feel so like uh generic and um you know you can play different things in there and people are more like open to you playing different shit. Uh, I also played at a uh, marquee for fashion week. Oh, nice bro. That's a big one. <laughs> that was a dope. That was a dope party. Um, marquee, it was marquee on a Wednesday, which is the biggest party I'd say during the week in New York. One of the biggest, uh, I played at PhD, which is cool. PhD downtown. Uh, Lavo was fun. And here in Jersey, 
I really like playing at Pier 115. It's uh, my residency every month there. It's a dope little lounge, nice view of the city. They got food. The food is banging. And uh, this is probably like my top five, like in general. That's what's yeah. up. You ever been a brass monkey? Bra- I actually did one night. I actually went there, there one night with a with a chick after I met her at Avenue and she <laughs> took me there. I had no idea what it was. And I was in there like, what is this place? And I've been going out to New York for years, never heard of it. But How I do you like in- that spot? How'd you like it? It was cool. It's, it's just like a huge bar, you know? It's like Yeah, a, it was it's three stories, right? Yeah, it's, it's a like three, three story stores. bar. It's cool. You know, it's just it's, it's more of a bar. It's not really a nightclub, I feel like. Yeah, I hear you. I got that vibe there too, but I fucking blacked out when I went there, bro. <laughs> fucking uh me and like four or five of my homies, we fucking went there one night and we were underage again, dude. I don't think I uh, maybe I've been to New York since I've been 21, but I don't know. But we were fucking underage again. And fucking Greggy Switz, dude, Mr. McBucket's over here, goes to the ATM across the street, pulls out $500 from the ATM, slips the bouncer 500 bills, and we all get in. And we, we were just partying at Brass Monkey all night. But I just remember, like, that was a crazy fucking night, dude. Greggy Switz bought a fucking penthouse suite at the Shoho or some shit. Like, it was fucking crazy, dude. That's hilarious. I remember that kid. I haven't seen him in years. <laughs> yeah, he's a whack job. I'm telling him to fucking watch this. Anyway, do you have any of the any crazy nightlife stories you want to share at some of the top clubs? Like you said, you performed at Marquee, which I know One Oak and Marquee, uh, even like maybe Catch or like some of the biggest named clubs in New York. Big stories. Um, there's a lot of them, crazy stories. There's this one, there's this one spot. There's this one spot. Um, I'm not gonna say the name of the venue, uh, because it's controversial. But it was a during Fashion Week at a venue, big, very prominent, um, venue, and it was Fashion Week, and there's a bunch of models right in front of the DJ booth lined up like this, and uh, this one model, fucking got butt naked and was just like grinding on the DJ booth, and it was the funniest shit ever. <laughs> It was hilarious, but um, that was one pretty crazy, probably one of the craziest things I've seen in a club. Um, another one was uh, this DJ, uh, I forget her name, but she she had some show coming out or something like that on uh, Fuse TV. I forget her name, I don't remember, but anyways, we were at a venue, and my friend was headlining that venue, and she was supposed to go on, and she was opening for him. But she was playing like a bunch of records, like all the hot records. And it wasn't even till midnight yet. Usually in New York, you usually play all the hot shit starting around like 1231. Mm-hmm. People, people start getting to the club late in New York. So yeah. all, all the club doesn't fill out. So you're not going to play like you're not going to hit him with high energy stuff. You're not going to hit him with the bangers. 11 o'clock. But she felt like since she bought a bunch of people that she could just rip you know all of the tracks and my friend is like hey i'm going on at 12 she was like no you're not i'm supposed to stay on and then she got mad and started playing like all the current hits like on purpose and then he told the manager like hey listen i'm scheduled to go on at this time she's still going on doesn't want to get off so the manager comes over he's like yo you have to get off she got mad and just unplugged the laptop and cut the music for the whole place oh, oh, shit. talking yeah, that was a that was a pretty funny one. Then it makes your boy look bad when he comes out. They're booing him instead of this fucking no, bitch. They, I mean, yeah, it was still early, so it wasn't yeah. big of a deal. But yeah, it was a, that was a pretty funny one. Um, what was another one? Those were like the two that really come to mind. But there's been all types of I've seen all types of people in clubs. I, I I've seen um, 
seen like Vin Diesel. I, I always see Busta Rhymes. I, I've seen Giancarlo Stanton plays for the Yankees. Uh, oh, I had this. Uh, this is a this is a, actually a great Let's story. Go. Let's hear it. So I was in Marquee one time on a Wednesday, and my friend was headlining, and uh, we were it was early, about 11:30, and um, I'm taking a picture. I, I was also I was an intern for a DJ agency, so I also did social media. So I was doing photo photos that night, and I was taking pictures, and uh, I I get shoved in the back. I'm talking shoved. Like, and I was like, yo, like, it was a shove, like, you turn around, like, it was a shove, like, intentional. You're trying to fight, right. So I turn around, I'm like, yo, what the f-? Before I could even say fuck, it was um, fucking Conor McGregor. And I'm like, <laughs> so it was Conor McGregor, and he just kind of looked at me, like, what are you going to, like, what the fuck are you going to do? And I was, I just didn't say anything, and he just kept walking. <laughs> Bro, how do you not bring like, this up, yo? <laughs> I literally turned around, like, like, I was getting ready to, like, say something like yo what the fuck is your problem but before i could even finish the sentence i was like half starstruck half like kind of like oh shit conor mcgregor like you kind of can't say shit to so this, this guy. was outside the club <laughs> this was inside this was, oh, it was inside the club he had, a, he had a private vip upstairs and um they didn't want the uh the media to know that he was there so they were trying to like swiftly push him in mm-hmm. but this guy is so crazy that you know how celebrities walk with their security team in front of them? Right. Walks in front of his security team. Like, he's a security for his own yeah. team. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. This was around, right around the time that he had throw, threw the chair at Khabib. Uh-huh. So, um, it, you know, the tensions were high at that point, and he didn't want anybody knowing where he was at. But, yeah, that, that was pretty nuts. <laughs> Damn, bro. He just fucking pushed you for no reason, man. I like, elbowed my back, like, because I was kind of in the way. I was standing, like, in the middle, and, like, Kind of just shoved me like. I would have known how to react. I would have turned around like, "What the fuck?" And then saw Conor McGregor. I'd be like, "Yo, what's up, bro? Can I take a picture?" <laughs> like, it was, it was such a quick. It was such a yeah. quick interaction. It was probably maybe ten seconds, if that. Like we made eye contact. He just looked at me like, "You know who I am." And just kept walking. <laughs> that must be a great like, you know, bonus that you know DJs get to experience. They're in the nightlife scene. They're always around good-looking girls. They're around high-status guys. They meet business people. You know professionals whatever have you noticed that uh yeah um i don't really i think celebrities and stuff like that like everyone's just a regular person at the end of the day everyone's a person so i don't really get i in the beginning don't get me wrong when i was first going out i'd get starstruck and stuff like that but not anymore i don't really i'm just like whatever like i've seen people like oh that's so and so like all right cool like, I, like I, I've seen, um, okay, like, I've seen Kevin Durant, like, I was like, oh, I thought he was a bouncer. I was like, yo, who's this tall-ass dude? And I looked up, I'm like, oh, shit, it's him. I've seen Kyrie Irving, like, most chill dude, Chance the Rapper, most chill dude. So, I've seen a couple guys, but I'm not, like, there, like, going up, because right. it's not cool to, like, go up to a celebrity in a club. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And especially you, because you are a DJ at the club, like, it doesn't look yeah, good on you at all. <laughs> But how are the girls, bro? Is it easier to fucking... I need to know. Is it easier to get girls as a DJ? Um, <laughs> same shit, honestly. Like, girls usually want to fucking hear their song. That's, that's like, right. the main. They want to hear their song, get their song played, chill in the booth. If you have a bottle, they're going to sip off your bottle. So, I actually... Sometimes I do, but I'm so focused on DJing, at least for me. Like, I, I there's DJs that they DJ to get girls and for the clout and shit. Like, I DJ because I fucking... Did you love it. Yeah, I love I see it. that. I'm DJing in the club. It's very high, very high end. These these managers and shit, 
you start fucking up, they're going to be on you. They're going to make a complaint about you. They're going to email about you. So it's very uh, high tension, high pressure. So I don't really focus on that until I'm done DJing. Yeah. What is like some of the behind the scenes shit that we don't fucking see? Because from a personal experience, I know there's some scams and there's some fucking schemers in the nightlife industry. I don't know if you want to talk about this, but I yeah. know the... Okay, go for it. <laughs> uh, there's pay to play. That's the first scam I ever got into. That's um, you sell tickets and they'll promise you a set opening for a big act like some type of DJ or whatever, they say, oh, if you sell right. tickets, then you'll get a, you'll get a, uh, a slot. And then you go and you, let's say you sell 20 tickets, they'll put you on at, before the doors open at 1045 to mm-hmm. 11, 15 minute slot. <laughs> some it, early hustle shit, bro. It's just such a scam, bro. And, and I, it happened to me. Um, there's, you know, I've, I've, I've gotten vetted on checks for many, many nights I've gone out that I was supposed to get paid and just never got paid um there's there's cd managers who are very picky and want you to play weird shit or they're knowing you the whole night and asking you to play for some bottle client or they give the bottle client all the power and the bottle client's like play the christmas song and it's the middle of june and you're like what and he's like i ordered fucking 30 bottles you gotta play what i want you're like there's shit like that um yeah that's that's about that about covers like the your general overview of like the behind the scenes shit that nobody really thinks about. Mm-hmm. Mostly like what I see from a, a party goers perspective is like you have these high status promoters and these, these big name promoters or whatever, and they're shuttling these girls in for free. And usually, I don't know how New York city's nightlife works, but usually they're free. I'm just talking about my experience off of Vegas. So these girls are coming in for free and they're going to get sat out, sat at um, the top tables you know, at the VIP tables with big baller dudes that have the money to spend on the fucking bottles. So ever who's spending money on the bottle is pretty much paying for the club. Like that's where their most money comes from is ever who's paying, right. Ever who's paying for the fucking bottles, ever who's paying for the VIP treatment and all that shit. Then you go to the dance floor and the dance floors over the years have gotten smaller and smaller. I don't know if you've noticed this, yes. but back in the day, right, back in the day, the dance floor used to be open, used to be a huge dance fest, a fuck fest. Everybody's having fun, fist pumping. It was an awesome fucking time. Now it's fucking shrinking down, more tables, more money, more dickhead dudes, more girls come in for free and set yeah. up these tables. Am I right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that just has to do with the economy, honestly, um, in New York. Everybody knows this. The rent is like fucking thirty, fifty, forty thousand dollars. Imagine these, these nightclubs. They um, they're night a nightclub fits. I don't know. Let's say a nightclub fits a couple hundred people. You have to think about how much their rent is. If they're in a prime area of Manhattan, specifically Manhattan, because that's where I DJ at. These nightclubs are paying thousands of dollars just for rent. You also have to think about nightclub insurance. Nightclub insurance is one of the most insurance, most expensive insurance policies you can get. So they have to pay who knows what that is a year, that nightclub insurance. Then you also got to remember they have bills just like everybody else, light bills. They got to pay utilities. They got to pay all the employees. They have to pay for the liquor that goes on, that stocks the bar. They got to fucking let all these girls in for free to make sure that guy is spending um, $10,000 in a bottle that costs maybe $100 in the store. It's a 300% markup. That's the, your average markup for a club for a bottle inside of a club however when you buy a bottle inside of a club you're not paying for just a bottle you're paying for the experience you're paying for the table you're being you're paying for 
real estate inside of a club. When I say that, I mean if you're gonna take up space, yeah. If if you're gonna buy a table right in front of the DJ booth, that's the most expensive table usually, depending on the way the club is structured. That's probably like the most expensive table. That the table where you're the center of attention is the most expensive table. Then you have taxes. You have um, all types of shit. The liquor license. There's all types of of overhead that the club is working hard, hard, hard to pay off all of these expenses to make just a little bit of profit. And so it's getting harder and harder. It's more like uh, profit overhead, and it's just going up. So now they're like, oh, I have to keep adding bot tables so more people can buy bottles because every year, as we know, inflation happens and shit is just going up and mm-hmm. it's, inflation is at the craziest rate right now. So. Now, I 1,000% understand that from a business perspective, but as a party goer, and I hop on that dance floor and like, yeah, I got tables surrounding me. That's cool, right? But the dance floor itself is jam-packed and it's all dudes. And the reason it's because of all dudes is because the few dudes who can afford to buy the table, the, the promoters bring all the girls to those tables, mm-hmm. right? Is that how it works, though? Like, are promoters going out there and bringing girls to the tables or are the dudes who buy the tables are like, yo, come to the table? Or is it yeah. a little bit of both? A little bit of both, yeah. yeah. Um, the reason there's a lot of guys on the dance floor um, – <laughs> If you go to a, an inclusive, you're talking about bottle service clubs now. Um, there's different types of nightclubs. There's there's more like bar slash nightclubs, and there's nightclubs and bottle service nightclubs. You right. Know, like, I probably just described One Oak. Yeah, you just described like like those are called bottle service high end clubs. That's yeah. where you would see Drake or something. So when you're um, what they call a general admission filler a filler person they don't even re- refer to in, my, in a bottle service club it's all a business it's all about making money so they're not thinking about uh the your average party goer gets um they kind of get like not looked down on but it, they're, they're like less of a concern they're like less of a worry if they could fill in all the tables and that's all that matters they don't really care about who's filling in the middle part but what they'll do is if you don't have any connection with the club or something they'll charge you a tab which is like like, listen, if you come to this club, you have to pay, uh, you have to spend at least $200 at the bar to get in. So now you have a $200 bar tab. So now all these like rich, you know, younger kids that are 21, 22 that have a great job in New York, fresh out of like, hey, Harvard or Yale or something that are making 200K off the rip. Those are the kids that they get to pay these crazy amounts of money to get into these clubs or sometimes buy a table. And it's like four guys to like two bottles and they're just sitting there like, not knowing they look like freaking deer in headlights. Um, that usually happens. Now, if you're talking about like more generic nightclubs, like uh, like there's a spot called Barcode. Barcode. It's a it's a great club business wise. They not only do they have great bottle service, uh, great table service, but they also have a huge GA, like a general admission. So no, you don't have to go there and and buy a bottle to have fun or to be with your friends. You can go with all your friends. You're all going to pay a cover and you're all going to buy drinks at the bar no matter what. So there's like, that's like, I'm just, I like that place as an example because it's like two opposites kind of in a way. Well, yeah, I'm glad that we're actually talking about this because this is really sort of a small portion of what Party Global is fucking about. I came up with this idea through my party experiences and through my travel experiences and talking to others. But it's funny because when I was out in Vegas and I was at these big corporate clubs, from a party's goer perspective, it's more about status. You're going there because you have some type of status and you want to take pictures on social media to look cool. Right, because you look cool that you're at this top club and you got girls around you and you got the bottle service chicks and all this fucking bullshit, right? And I was wondering, like, 
I'm in Vegas right now, motherfucker. I'm in motherfucking Vegas. How come I'm not having the time of my life, right? But sometimes when I'm, uh, for example, like I'm on the beach of Cancun during a spring break party where there are no fucking bottle service, it's way crazier. It's 10 times crazier. Like I'd rather be at a crazier experience where everybody's on the dance floor. Everybody's, you know, in the phone party. Everybody's in the pool party. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I know what you're saying. What's the way to tackle this answer? Um, I mean, I didn't really give you a question. I was just giving you my experience. All right. So for example, in Vegas, like usually Vegas, you think about casinos, you think about gambling, um, high ends in general, just because it's, there's a lot of gambling involved. So typically your average person that goes to Vegas usually has a decent amount of money to spend in Vegas. So they have the bottle service. They have like, for example, I know a lot of like middle-aged career women that go to Vegas for like a bachelorette party or, or guys that are getting married, they go there for a bachelorette party. Typically, if you're getting married, you're of an older age, maybe late 20s to early 30s, and you have a pretty decent job. So you have the money to splurge with your friends where all of your friends have good jobs and you guys can all go to Vegas and bug out for a weekend to gamble and go to a club mm-hmm. and buy a bottle service. Where in Cancun, they know it's a bunch of spring breaker kids who don't have much money, who's maybe saved up you know, a couple hundred bucks or maybe a thousand, two thousand dollars to go out there and have fun. So they know that they're not going to make any money if they try to turn it into a bottle service place because nobody there has that type of money. I get so it. It's more of a business thing once again. Um, and that's just how it works in all these places. I actually love fucking talking to you because you're hitting it from an angle of, you know, business side of it. And I, I, we both understand both of our points here, like both of we each other's sides here but yeah you're coming out of it a business side of it because you are a fucking dj you're in the business and i'm coming out of it as somebody who's you know a party goer and who's been to a bunch of different clubs and shit so i actually really fuck with you know the way we're chatting it up and getting two different insights right now but i just i just thought it was crazy like so many people are going to clubs for the status symbol like everybody's just like i don't know you're going to one oak just to say you're going to one oak i know one oak's not the funnest club yeah. Like, in, is your, in your opinion, like, are the brand name clubs, are the One Oaks, are the Marquis, if you know the ones out in Vegas, like the Hawkinsons and like uh, the Wet Republics and all those, are they the funnest clubs in the world, your opinion? Um, I, I can't really comment on the Vegas because I've never been to Vegas before. So I just know based off of uh, what I've heard about Vegas and also uh, there's, uh, there's this DJ. Or even the ones in Miami is like 11 or like. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been to the, the, the bigger clubs in, in Miami. I went to Story once, but I'm, I can't really, like I said, I can't really comment on 11. I didn't even go there myself. However, um, that whole scene in general, what you're asking me is just more about that scene and that those clubs are more fun. Um, I think that just depends on the person. That just depends on the person's taste. Music is subjective. Some people might like all playing. They, they might want to hear Drake all night or they might want to hear a, a mixture of everything. They might want to hear Strictly Latin. They might want to hear All House. So it just depends on the person. So I like I can't really sit here and say this place is more fun than this place. That's really just based on a person's taste. No, no I respect that answer, and I, I get what you're saying for sure, 100%. But do you think a lot of these dudes are buying these tables just for the status symbol, just to look cool, just to have a chance to talk to that good-looking girl? Some of them, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say a lot of them. I'd say it's about maybe like a 50-50 because some of these dudes are actually pretty have rich money. and <laughs> have the money. Some of them 
can get girls, some of them can't. It just varies. I've seen all types of dudes in clubs buying bottles. I've seen guys who freaking are ballers that are fucking wearing chains and have the bread and can easily pick up a girl. I've seen old guys who are 50, 60 years old who probably take Viagra and shit and can't even, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. they, they come from all walks of life. So it just depends. How do I pick up a girl at the club? I need to know from a DJ's perspective because uh-huh. obviously I don't know how, bro. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Just be. Just you've be seen, you've be. seen a lot of people come and go from the club, right? You've seen a yeah. lot of people just meet and then they just happen to leave in an hour or two. Uh, I mean, it also depends on the girl, but for the most part, just be a human. Just You can't obviously can't have a full conversation inside of a club with all the music blaring, but talk to them. Hey, what's your name? My name is this. Um, I never usually try to buy a chick a drink because that's almost like a, like a cop out for them to sit My around. Um, if I have a drink ticket or something, then yeah, maybe I'll get them a drink. But I usually try to just talk to them a little bit, some small talk. And then, you know, ask them to dance or something. Just simple shit. It's yeah. simple. Human to human communication. Yeah, <laughs> my my take on that, act like the funnest guy in the room. Like, be the funnest guy in the room. You never want to be the guy in the club, like, looking pissed off. Like, why are you pissed off? You're at a fucking nightclub. I mean, yes, have, have fucking fun. You're at a nightclub to have fucking fun. The girl's going to feel that energy that you're there to have fun. And if you need to fucking talk to her. You know, you just grab her hand, pull her hand, hey, say, hey, I want to go talk to you over here, get to know you a little bit more. You say something, like, right? But other other than that shit, I'm dancing with her on the on the dance floor all night, whispering in her ear, whatever, and then eventually go grab drinks. After that, leave, done deal, whatever. Yeah, do you know. want to do. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I think, I think the biggest key is to picking up girls at the nightclub is have fun. Like, literally have fun. Because if you're not there to have fun, they pick you're up on that shit. Party. Yeah, you're life of the motherfucking party, bro. Yeah. That's why I always wonder, like, DJs it, gotta get really just pussy. Off, off of energy transfers. Like, if you have a bad vibe or bad energy, like, people read that. They just read a bad vibe. So yeah. you go in with a bad vibe or a creepy vibe where your intention is only to, like, get ass that night or something, then you might not get anything. Like, just go in, like, go to the club to have fun. Don't go to the club just to get a girl or something, like... That's also another issue that happens in the clubs is a lot of people go to the club with the intention to do something else besides having fun. Maybe getting a picture in front of that nice neon sign that they have. Maybe it's the girl for the girl. Maybe it's she just freaking, I don't know, wants to get Snapchats inside of the club for her followers. And she has like a huge Snapchat following. So she's just in the club with her phone like this and she's not dancing. She's just sitting there. Then well, there's I, some I get what that you're saying, yeah. Look bored. Like, look, if you don't want to go out that night, then don't go out. And if you're gonna go out for other reasons, like you kind of you're taking out the quality of the club. So yeah, for sure. And I know the hottest girls in the world, like these Instagram models, like these influencers and shit. You know, some of them are getting paid to go to the club. And if they're not getting paid to go to the club, they're getting in for free and they're getting sat at, at a table, like I already said, but they're there for a business deal. They are there to sit at a table for a reason. So the club and the promoters can take pictures of them, post them on social media, and look like the club's popping with the the hottest chicks in the fucking world. But really, it's not. That's just but one that little just, table. That goes down to the bottle service nightclub and the, the business model. It's the yeah. business of a, of a bottle service nightclub. No, I get I'm not hating right. on it. I'm not. Trust me. Everything I'm saying, I'm not hating on yeah. it. I'm just giving you my perspective on shit. No. Right? But, yeah, dude, like. A lot of these chicks I feel bad for because going to a nightclub for them is actually a job. It's more of a job. They're there every night. 
they're there on Thursday yeah, or Sunday. There's some models that do it that get paid to go to the club, and they're yeah. there. I see a bunch of them in New York. There, I ask them like, "Hey, like, what are you doing here?" And they just reply in a thick accent, like, "I am here with promoter." Like, I don't know, <laughs> it's there. And part of the requirement of coming here is like, "All right, you got to come to the club," kind of thing. And it's always that's always been a thing though. It's it's not like a secret or it's not like a best kept secret. Like, just part. It's just part of. No, the you'd be surprised how many dudes don't know that though. They think like they think those girls I, are there to party. Your the generic your general person might not know that, but when you're in the club. When you're in the scene, you know. I was going to the club at one point. I would go on Monday. Let me see here. No, I would go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday, and then Monday. So I was in the club at least four to five days a week. Jeez. So when you're in the club four to five days a week, you kind of just pick up everything after a while. Right. Um, you're not If you're going to the club once a month, you're not going to know that. So what was your favorite day to perform? And then I, uh, we'll wrap it up because I know you got to bounce. Yeah. Um, my favorite day. Yeah. Like, do you like Friday nights better? Saturday nights? Like, what's the best day to turn up? Honestly, that back in the days, that was like a thing like, oh, more people go out. But what I've been noticing, at least in Jersey um, and New York slightly, is uh, Fridays, people just don't. Excuse me. People don't like going out on Fridays like that. And I think it's because. People are maybe beat from work or something, but Fridays are usually like a dead night. Saturdays are always like pretty much like the prime night to go out. Not to go out in terms of my personal preference, but uh, the club is most usually packed on a Saturday. Um, I prefer to go out in New York during the week. Those are the best parties. Uh, It's more industry people. Yes. Um, it's, it's industry people. It's not people that are there looking. I know. Them. Those are your waitresses. Those are your cocktail yeah, girls. Right? It's more relatable. Like, I've seen these people before. So, you're just more, it's like more of like a networking thing. So, yeah. I go out during the week. Um, but actually, you brought me to a to a uh, topic I actually wanted. I thought you meant what was my favorite gig ever. But I actually do want to say that, what my favorite gig was. Uh, I DJed at, at a SLS pool in Miami. Oh. Yeah. So Damn. I, I, we didn't even get into that. I, I DJed in um I DJed in LA and I DJed in Miami. DJed in LA for LA Fashion Week. Um, that was a f- great time. But when I did Miami, it was uh, what is it? Two years ago now. About it's about two three years back. But I it was it's this thing called Swim Week. So Swim Week in Miami is when they do like um shows for like more for like bikinis and stuff mm-hmm. like swimwear. So it was a uh, swim week, which is a pretty big weekend there, and it was SLS on the Sunday, which is uh, one of the biggest pool parties in Miami. Yeah. My boy was DJing, and was like, "Yo, you want to come close up for me?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure. Like, why not?" I was in Miami. It was like, "Fuck it, let's why do it." Why not, brother? I, up. I had a nice set set up. Um, the place preferably wants house music, which is my forte, which I told you earlier is like my thing. So I, um, what's gonna call it? I show up with this full. I was like, yo, this is Miami. Like, I'm only playing house. And I predicted so right because when I tell you when I got on, man, like my like my boy did a great job DJing, but he's mostly a hip-hop DJ. So he didn't touch, like, these certain points of house music that you need to touch to really connect with that house crowd. And there's a lot of foreign people there and stuff like that, like Russia and different yeah. countries, European countries, Latin countries. So you need to have like a little bit of like a fusion of like Latin house and like the stuff they listen to in Europe and shit like mm-hmm. that. So I went in and they were supposed to close at eight o'clock, right? I got on at I think six forty-five. They didn't close till like 
almost nine. <laughs> <laughs> you had that place got, bumping. People just kept ordering bottles and bottles, and they were like, yo, just keep going. Like, just keep DJing. We'll tell you when to stop. We'll cut you a check tonight, dude. Yeah, and, like, the uh, there's, like, this this group of, like, these uh, these kids from Mexico, and um, there are these rich kids from Mexico, all right? So I don't know if they were, like, the sons of drug lords or some shit. I'm not, like, trying to, like, stereotype, but, like, these dudes were, like, rich as shit, right? Like, fucking ridiculous ridiculously loaded they started ordering mags like big bottles of champagne the ones that like you have to hold with two hands yeah. and they were just pouring them into fucking buckets like ordering them and pouring i'm talking ordering five ten thousand dollar bottles and just pouring them out so these kids had so but they kept sending me they were like what do you want to drink and i'd be like yeah let me just get a you know a vodka soda or something <laughs> they came with a fucking bottle of Bel- belvedere like here take that and i'm like jesus like wow and uh <laughs> It was just, it's lit because the reason I enjoyed it is because I played house and I was able to connect with them on a level that it was like, yo, like, let's just keep ordering. Let's keep having fun. That's really what you're keeping people entertained. They want to stay there. Like they don't want to leave. You know what I'm saying? You're not trying to tell them to leave. And, um, you know, it was, it was a great time. (laughs) It was crazy. I really hope you exchanged some contact information with those brothers, dude. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Just, you know, it's Miami, bro. It's like New York. Like it's, you're not just going to they're not gonna like you once and all right come come right back it's not it's not like that unfortunately but it was a fun time <laughs> my guy anyway i know you gotta leave i know you got things to do but bro i thought it was a fucking banging ass podcast and i'd love to have you on again yeah. because yeah. dude it it was fucking sick not gonna lie you got some crazy good insights and i just love chatting it up with you yeah bro for you sure any, anything you want to summarize where can uh, the people fucking find you at on social media most importantly of course uh, check me out all social media at I am Armani Music. I am most active on Instagram, but I am I am Armani Music on SoundCloud. I am Armani Music on Twitter, um, Instagram. You could check me out on Spotify. Just type in Armani Caps Lock. Uh, I have a song out on Spotify right now called The Pressure. Um, I dropped back in January, and I have my new remix that I dropped last week called uh, Too Late. And I also have a podcast called Vacations Radio. So. Like I said, I got a whole thing. Just check me out. Check them out. In the grant. (laughs) All right, guys. With that, it was another great fucking podcast in the fucking books with my boy Armani. With that family, travel far and party hard. We're fucking out. (laughs) 